Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Spring to Life podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host slash hormone health coach, fertility awareness educator, Pilates instructor, and creator of the Spring to Life method. My goal is to promote feminine body independence and share stories of female resiliency to help you love your body more and unleash your inner superpower, your period. This week, I am joined by a very special guest, my friend, Dr. Danielle DeRoche. She is a naturopathic doctor specializing in women's health based in Atlanta. She also happens to be a Pilates instructor and studio owner. And she's joining me this week to discuss all things hair health and how it relates to our hormone health. Make sure you stay tuned at the end for a very special giveaway. Okay, I am here with Dr. Danielle DeRoche, who is a naturopathic doctor. She specializes in women's health, and she also happens to be a good and old friend of mine. We go way back to our ballet days, and she also happens to be a Pilates instructor, Pilates studio owner in Atlanta, and she's here to talk about hair health with us today. So, Danielle, welcome to the show. I can't believe this is the first time you're coming on the podcast. I've been wanting to have you on for so long. So welcome. And uh, I know I kind of gave the cliff notes of who you are, but give us a little introduction. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm excited to be here. I love hair health. I have struggled with it so much in the past. So I'm excited to um, discuss it today with you. But yeah, a little bit about me. Obviously, like you said, we met um, dancing uh, in Chicago back in 2009, I think. Um, so it was a while ago. And at that time I was struggling with an eating disorder. I had just recently been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition that attacks your thyroid and just had a bunch of hormone issues. My periods were horrible, terrible bloating, terrible hair loss. And that just kind of sent me on a health journey. I got really interested in nutrition, studied nutrition undergrad. And then while I was completing my Pilates teacher training, while I was doing college, my mentor was like, have you ever heard of naturopathic medicine? And I hadn't, I looked into it. I was like, this seems awesome. I, I knew I didn't want to go to conventional medical school, but I also knew I wanted some other tools to help my patients beyond just the nutrition piece and went to medical school for five years in Portland, Oregon, and now just have my virtual practice where I help women heal their PCOS, improve their fertility, and just overall hormonal health. Yeah. And I know that you are excellent at your job. Uh, Danielle has helped so many women conceive and have happy periods when conventional medicine told them otherwise. So her work is really powerful. Um, you. And you mentioned all of the kind of trials and tribulations you went through to get to this point. And thinking back to 2009, 2010, when we were dancing in Chicago, I just have this one picture. It was an actual picture, but it's, I can see it in my head. And it's us. Um, we did a trio um, together. I think it was like an end of season performance. And we were probably both unhealthy. <laughs> at the time. Oh yeah. And I can just, you know, thinking about just the hair health portion of it. I remember being so self-conscious about having to have my hair pulled back, like the certain way it had to be for performances because my hair was so fine and so thin. Like I always felt like I looked bald with it pulled back and just the quality of my hair was not good, but I didn't really correlate it with 
my overall health. I just thought, oh, I've got this horrible, like really thin hair. So what are some of the hormone imbalances or other like underlying health issues that can impact hair growth, whether it's thinning or excess hair growth? Yeah. I mean, kind of what I mentioned for what was my situation, one hormone balance, which is super common in women is thyroid dysfunction or low thyroid function. Um, you might also hear this be called hypothyroidism for most women or many women. Hashimoto's is the driving cause of low thyroid function. And our thyroid is really important because it's a gland in our neck that produces hormones that basically control metabolism of all of our cells. So when our thyroid starts to slow down, our body starts to slow down as well. And that includes hair growth. So hair loss is a really common symptom of low thyroid function. And that is, you know, one of the driving causes for me back when I was younger, you know, of course, along with the eating disorder and not getting the nutrients I needed for healthy hair. Um, so thyroid dysfunction is a big one. It's one of the first things I look for when women come to me with a concern of hair loss. And the other is PCOS. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome, and there's so many layers to PCOS. There's not one specific cause, but in general, what we see with PCOS is we see irregular periods. So maybe you're getting your period every other month. Maybe you're getting it once every six months. Maybe you just don't get it at all. And I, I work with clients all the time who are like, yeah, I just haven't had a period in a year and a half. And so that's, you know, one of the primary signs, but other secondary signs are going to be things like the hair loss, facial hair growth, and acne. And we see this because of high androgen hormones. So when we think of androgens, we think of them as male hormones like testosterone, but they're important for female health as well. When they're too high, we can see these PCOS symptoms. And if they're too low, we can also be struggling with low egg quality and other infertility issues. So really important that they're not either end of the spectrum, but with PCOS, these high androgen hormones are going to be what's driving the hair loss. Now, the third hormone imbalance I'll also look for when it comes to hair loss, and there's so many that can be considered, but these are kind of my top three. The third would be cortisol. So cortisol is our stress hormone. And when cortisol is high, it increases inflammation in the body, which can then lead to inflammation in the hair follicle, which causes damage and prevents hair growth. So we often actually see cortisol imbalance with low thyroid function and PCOS. So if you're somebody who maybe has gone to the doctor, you struggle with hair loss, you've done some testing and you thought you figured out the driving cause behind it, but now you're like, okay, I've been trying to address my thyroid. My thyroid seems okay, but my hair loss isn't quite improving. Then consider what other potential hormones could be out of balance as a result of the low thyroid function that maybe you're not just addressing one thing, but there's a few things you have to look at. So there's a lot of things that could be at play. I think what the the main message there is that your hair health is not an isolated uh, like anomaly. It's related to other things that are going on in your body. So all of those other symptoms that you might be experiencing can be pointing to these underlying hormonal imbalances. Yeah. And, you know, I was the kind of person who I just used to say, oh, my hair just doesn't grow past my shoulders. Like that's just like my hair, just everyone, other people's can, mine just doesn't. That's just the way it is. It breaks off. It doesn't go any longer, but it's not really true. Like your hair, like it's not like a genetic thing where like, you know, it goes past your ears and it automatically stops growing. That's usually related to hormone imbalances, 
nutrient deficiencies or a combination of the two. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question. What are some dietary factors and or nutrient imbalances that can affect hair growth or lack of hair growth? Yeah, so definitely calorie restriction. So uh, we see this a lot with eating disorders. This is what I experienced. You know, if our body thinks that we are in starvation mode and we are in survival mode and we barely have enough energy to, you know, keep our heart beating and, and keep our brain functioning, keep those vital systems working so that we can stay alive, then we're not going to have the energy needed to support hair growth. So that's one of the first things that stops kind of functioning is we're not going to keep growing healthy hair. And also our reproduction is going to sit, is going to shut down. So we often see, you know, with calorie restriction, we'll see the hair loss. We'll also see women start to miss or skip periods. So really important to consider, you know, are you eating enough food throughout the day? And for some women, this might not be um, like a conscious decision to skip food or skip meals, but some people are just like, you know, I'm not hungry or I'm a little bit nauseous. So I skip meals or I'm really busy, but no matter what your intention behind it is, the fact is if you're not getting enough calories, you're going to see hair loss. So that's one thing to consider. And then kind of in that same realm is getting enough protein. So a low protein diet is associated with increased hair loss because hair follicles are primarily made out of protein. Now, that being said, hair loss has also be, been seen in people who only prioritize protein, but then cut out carbs because we don't have that energy. So it's not just about like eating pure protein all day and like that's going to be the magic to healthy hair. It's really about having that balance, but making sure, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian and you're not getting a ton of protein in, um, I say this as a former vegan, so I'm not, you know, anti-vegan in any way, but, you know, yes, there's the argument that you can get protein through plant sources, but it's really hard to get enough protein, especially if you're struggling with hair loss. It's a good indicator that your body is going to need more. And then the third thing I'd say, along with the calorie restriction and getting enough protein is iron. So iron is needed to transport oxygen to our cells. And when iron is low, we aren't able to transport oxygen to the hair follicles. And as a result, more hair shedding takes place. So low iron is super common, especially if you tend to have really heavy, long periods and you're losing a lot of blood each month. It's more common in people who do follow a more plant-based diet because iron through those animal-based sources are, is actually easier to absorb. Um, if you have any sort of digestive um, disorder like IBS or celiacs and you're not absorbing the iron well, you can also be at risk for low iron. So really important that you're testing for that as well. Um, but those are the three things I think of primarily when I think of supporting hair health through our diet. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sounds like the nutrition and the hormone imbalances can kind of feed into each other, especially if it's like a high cortisol response and you don't have an appetite and you're constantly in this kind of like cycle of feeding off the stress hormone, not eating when you should be, and then suppressing your appetite and all. So it kind of is this wheel that we have to break free from. Yeah, absolutely. Or even for example, you know, iron is really important for good thyroid function. So if you have slightly low thyroid function and then you're also iron deficient, you know, you're going to be in this cycle of, of just promoting more and more hair loss. And 
yes, again, you can address the thyroid dysfunction, but you're going to want to improve the iron as well. So that thyroid can stay functioning as optimally as possible. Okay. And what are some, well, you mentioned animal protein. What are some other good sources of iron that we can include in our diet? Yep. So leafy greens is a great one. So something as simple as adding spinach to your smoothie can be one way to kind of sneak in some extra iron. Um, beans is another one. And now our iron from plant-based food sources is actually better absorbed when we have it with vitamin C. So one example I like to give is when you eat beans and peppers, which we often see in like Mexican dishes, Mm -hmm. the beans are going to be high in iron and the peppers are going to be high in vitamin C. So pairing those foods together can be nice. Um, what else? Pumpkin seeds can be high in iron. Um, those are kind of my top three as far as plant-based sources, but yeah, usually, most of my patients, especially if they have PCOS, if they come to me on a plant-based diet, I usually try and sneak in maybe like one animal-based food, whatever they're willing mm-hmm. to work with, whether that's like eggs or fish or something, chicken, just to, there's so many benefits to it. I think when it comes to PCOS, especially. So I usually try to sneak in a little bit of animal protein in some capacity. Yeah. And I think, you know, being, if you're coming to, if you're experiencing symptoms and you're coming to someone looking for help. And I think you have to food you are, I love how much you stress food is medicine. I think being flexible and open to some dietary changes is really important because that really gets to the root of things better than, you know, taking a supplement, you know, which can be helpful, but having that, I think that flexibility in nutrition and diet is really important when you really want to make an impact on your health. Yeah. And it's like with food, we're always going to have to eat. So if you can make the habits around food, then ideally you won't have to think about so many other pieces of like your wellness protocol. You know, if you can get the food really dialed in, then you'll have less supplements to have to think about. And it'll just make your life easier. If that can be just kind of habit, um, you know, to be on a million supplements forever is expensive. It's not realistic. It's difficult to actually commit to that and stick with that. So I've found that food is the easiest way to actually be consistent is like finding foods that people enjoy eating and, and will incorporate into different meals. Yeah. Yeah. I know food is definitely my biggest, biggest expense, but you know, I think about it and I'm like, well, this is literally an investment in my health. This is how I'm nourishing my body. So there's no way that it's not worth it, you know, to be putting these good foods into my body. And you mentioned a high protein diet for hair health. How much protein are we talking? How much protein should an average woman be consuming per day? Yeah. So I typically say aim for about 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal and then 10 to 15 grams of protein per snack. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like breaking it up that way because I think when we really look at like breakfast, breakfast, for example, I think people realize like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like maybe 10 grams of protein if I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. And it's important to be splitting up throughout the day, especially when, you know, I work a lot with PCOS and we work a lot about balancing each meal so we can have balanced blood sugar, which is going to play a role in their symptoms. So it's not just about, you know, loading up your protein at the end of the day and not having any throughout the rest of the day. So, you know, for example, breakfast, an egg is going to have six grams of protein. So if you're somebody who has two eggs in the morning and then goes on your way, that's only 12, 12 grams of protein. So thinking about, okay, you know, can you add in some chicken sausage or turkey bacon, or maybe you, you know, sprinkle on hemp seeds to your avocado toast, um, little things like that to get your protein count up can be helpful. 
And then also looking at it, you know, if you're like, okay, I'm starting from ground zero, I'm super overwhelmed to even think about, you know, changing every meal in the day, just start with one meal. And usually I'll choose breakfast as that way on meal, focus on increasing your protein in that one meal for a month. And then once you feel like you have that habit really well established, then pick something else. Maybe next you go to is lunch. You work on building up your protein during lunch. And then once you feel like you really have a good understanding of how much 20 to 30 grams of protein looks like at lunchtime, then move on to the next meal. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I think too, like breakfast is so important. If we think about fasting or maybe not having an appetite, if you're really stressed out, think about how much protein you're going to have to pack into the rest of your meals during the day. And is that even really feasible for you to eat that much in one sitting? So I think spacing it out is so important. Yeah. And like, I think the primary thing I hear from my clients when they do start eating breakfast, or maybe they start adding more protein at breakfast is they have more energy. They have less cravings. They feel fuller longer. They have less brain fog. And I've worked with many clients who say, you know, I wake up and I just have no appetite. Like they're, you know, cause their bodies have been kind of conditioned to mm-hmm. not eat until 11 or 12. Like that's when their metabolism starts to turn on. So if that's the case, you know, our goal probably isn't going to be 20 to 30 grams of protein right off the bat. Maybe it's like, okay, just have an egg or have a few bites of cottage cheese when you wake up, but slowly over time, it doesn't take them very long. Like usually I'd say a month, maybe two tops. They're like, oh yeah, now I wake up and I'm hungry. Like if I don't wake up and I, if I wake up and I don't eat, I don't feel good like that morning. And it's like, that's the goal. And like your body is like, you're waking up and your body's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another good tip that I've heard on your podcast is if somebody doesn't have an appetite, start with a smoothie because you can sip on it throughout the morning and eventually you'll be drinking it a little bit faster because your body is craving it. So I think those are all really great tips. So taking it back to the focus of hair, what are maybe some lifestyle or environmental factors that might be impacting our hair health? Yeah. Number one is stress. I mean, especially what we've you know, as a world (laughs) have gone through since 2020. Um, you know, this is a big one. Again, it goes back to our cortisol when we're stressed, our cortisol levels are going to increase. That's going to lead to more inflammation over time, more hair loss. Um, stress also worsens PCOS and thyroid dysfunction. So number one is stress, you know, having boundaries with work, I think is something that I talk a lot about with my clients. Um, especially when they feel like their kind of responsibilities or expectations at work are preventing them from doing basic things to improve their health. So a lot of times that means like, okay, closing your computer at 5 PM, especially if you're working from home and you don't really have that distinction of like getting your car and driving home, but really committing to work is done. I can live my life now. Like work doesn't have to be a 24 seven thing. I think something as simple as that can go a long way. Um, smoking. I mean, I feel like who smokes nowadays, but I, I mean, I was just in Spain a few weeks ago and people were smoking there, but, um, smoking definitely increases inflammation, in the body leading to more hair loss. So, you know, add it to the many, many reasons why we shouldn't be smoking. Um, and also how we treat our hair. So, you know, using excessive heating products, like, you know, even curlers or blow drying it very often can be pretty damaging using chemical dyes on our hair. Um, I mean, when I was in medical school, granted, I was very unhealthy. My thyroid was unmanaged. I was in survival mode, just trying to get through the program, but I was also dyeing my hair, like every possible color, red, black, pink, like you name it, I was it. 
and my hair was just, it was just snapping off. It was just not good. So I would say chemical dyes definitely play a role with hair health and then, um, environmental toxins. So these are going to be everywhere, but an easy place to start is our shower, shower water. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are you using to clean your hair every few days? And the toxins found in our shower water will vary depending on where you live. Um, but I started using the Jolie filter, which is super simple. It's like you literally unscrew your old shower head, screw the Jolie filter on. And I've seen a noticeable difference. You know, I started probably using that maybe like eight to 10 months ago. And I definitely noticed my hair is softer since I've started using it. Uh, so getting a good filter for your shower head is something I definitely recommend. I love a good shower filter. And I think I don't have a Jolie yet. It probably wouldn't work in the situation I have in my bathroom at the moment. <laughs> it's on my list. But the thing I like about that one is they have a subscription service, right? So they, you can sign up to have your filters just sent to you and they need to be f- changed more frequently than you would expect. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a good reminder because when they send you the filter, they give you two or three extra filters with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely have not changed mine. So I will do that probably this weekend. Yeah. I, so San Diego, notoriously bad, uh, tap water there. Like the pipes are so old. Um, and I would just get that they have these, it's called Sprite filters at home Depot. And on those packages, it says you can use the filter for six months. And I found that two to three months was the absolute max and you would take it off and it was just black inside the filter oh, and scared. it's like so much heavier than when it started. Cause all of the um, I think they use like coconut and charcoal to absorb, um, the toxins, but it's really wild. The stuff that comes through our showers. <laughs> so oh good gosh, reminder. I'm scared to see it now. I don't, I don't want to see the filter now, but I know it'll be good to see and, and to see like, okay, this is what you were bathing in before. I know. And our body is just like skin is just soaking it all in yep. uh, skin health, hair health. So we talked about food as medicine, the lifestyle and environmental factors that we can start to manage. But sometimes supplementation is beneficial. I know you and I both love WellBell. You turned me on to WellBell. Why does it work so well? Yeah, I love WellBell so much. I started using it probably in either like late 2020 or early 2021. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. There's a, it's basically a combination supplement of different vitamins and herbs that help hair health. And so some of the ones that stand out to me, one is a, um, an ingredient called betaine HCL. So this is a natural substance that supports stomach acidity, which actually helps us break down proteins better. And again, that protein is needed to build healthy hair and stomach low stomach acidity is actually pretty common, especially when we're stressed, we can see stomach acid levels drop. Um, if you have like bloating or reflux, even that can be a sign of low stomach acidity. So I love that it contains betaine HCL. It also contains two herbs, saw palmetto and nettles, which supports healthy androgen balance. So remember when I spoke about PCOS, oftentimes with PCOS, we're seeing high androgen hormones like high testosterone, and that is what is causing the hair loss. And so, you know, taking these in supplement form are going to help to balance out androgens and improve hair loss related to these hormone imbalances. And then it also contains biotin, um, which biotin helps to form keratin, which is, um, you know, really the protein that builds hair, skin, and nails. Now, biotin can also cause acne in high doses because essentially the keratin can clog our pores. 
and many hair supplements contain way too much biotin. So for example, the other hair, skin and nail supplement I think is really popular is Nutrafol. I've tried this myself. I didn't have a good experience with it, but Nutrafol has 3000 micrograms of biotin versus Wellbell, which only has 500 micrograms. So a lot lower dose. So it has the biotin needed to support hair health without causing acne breakouts, Mm -hmm. which is really important because, you know, if you have PCOS and you have hair loss related to those high androgen hormones, there's a good chance that you also have acne related to those um, high androgen hormones. So you don't want to be taking something that like, yes, is improving one issue, but then is making another issue worse. Um, and then some other things like that has methylated forms of B12 and methylated folate, which is easier for the body to use. So lots of good things in there. And then just from my own experience, I mean, I definitely noticed a difference within three months, but I have had so many clients on it who have tried other hair, skin, and nail supplements in the past as well, and just didn't have as good of results they had with Wellbell. Yeah. I mean, you sold me on it. And I, you mentioned thinking like, oh, I just can't grow my hair past my shoulders. I was also that person. I thought, well, I just look better with a shorter haircut. And (laughs) right now my hair is like to my mid back, which I don't think it's ever been this long in my entire life. Cause I've always had thin and fine hair, but it feels healthy and it's getting thicker and we have new hair growth as well. Um, not just like retaining the hair that we already have. So it's been really effective and I have only been taking it for maybe nine months now. So I'm really excited to see over a long period of time, what it does for my hair. Um, yeah. Then the new hair growth is crazy. Like I go to the same woman every time to get my hair cut. And every time I go, she's like, Oh my gosh, do you remember where it was when you came in? But at first I thought I was having breakage that like maybe like six or so months ago, I thought I was having breakage because I had these like six to eight inch pieces of hair all over my scalp. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like my hair is still growing long. Why is it like breaking up in weird spots? And then when I saw my um, hairstylist, she was like, no, that is all new growth. Like, that's why it's short. You know, it's, it's growing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, give it, you know, six or months and it'll be long as well. But I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Like, you know, cause usually when I have breakage, it's like in certain areas, you know, you'll see it around your temples, maybe like at the very back of your neck, like places where your hair gets pulled more often. Mm-hmm. But this was pretty like diffusely over my scalp. So it was just cool to see, like I hadn't really thought of that or anticipated that I was just looking for like stronger, longer hair, not necessarily new hair growth, but Mm -hmm. I'll definitely take it. Yeah. It's great. And if you go to like Wellbell's Instagram page, they are so great about posting before and afters and all different hair types, all different textures. And just across the board, you see such a drastic difference. So it's (laughs) the proof is in the pictures. Um, (laughs) you mentioned that there's a methylated B vitamin in Wellbell, and there's like over 4,000% of like your recommended daily value. Why is it so important for women? This is a women's blend that we're talking about. They also make a men's one. Why is it so important for women to replenish B vitamins? Yeah. So B vitamins can be, well, a few things to that. First, if you have been on the birth control pill in the past, we know the birth control pill can deplete certain nutrients, B12 being one of them. So really important that we are restoring those levels. Also it goes back to the low stomach acidity. If you have low stomach acid, you're not going to be absorbing B12 as well. And then B12 also plays a role with estrogen detox. So specifically when we break down estrogen, it goes through three steps. And the second step is a step called methylation. And this step uses nutrients like B12, B6, folate, magnesium, 
in order to make this step happen. So if we don't have B12, that step starts to slow down and we can start to see a buildup of estrogen levels leading us into a state known as estrogen dominance. So if you aren't breaking down estrogen, well, you may have heavy, painful periods, PMS, weight gain, and it may be due to that slow methylation. Good to know. And so just another reason not to be taking the birth control pill. <laughs> yeah. One of many. <laughs> um, so you, you kind of touched on methylation. There's a lot of, you might be thinking, okay, like I could just go to like the grocery store and buy a B vitamin supplement, but not all are created equal. Some are methylated, some are not. What is the main reason that we might want a methylated version of a B vitamin? Yeah. So methylation helps to turn certain genes on or off. And then it also helps to essentially break down and process hormones and neurotransmitters. So brain chemicals. So really the process of methylation is how we detox and it's really important for hormone health, but also our mood. Now there's many people out there who have essentially a genetic variant that makes them really slow methylators. And there is a buzzword, you know, used five, maybe 10 years ago, um, called the MTHFR gene mutation. It was really big in the wellness world. It still exists. It's still definitely talked about, but back then it was really big as like this new thing that everyone's getting tested for. But if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, then essentially you're a slow methylator. So if you take vitamins like B12 and folate in their methylated form, then essentially it helps to do this methylation step if you are a slow methylator. So it's really helpful to know if you're a slow methylator or if you're not. I will say that there are some people out there and it's, it's very few and far between. I'd say in the past three years of my practice, I probably have found five people-ish who are um, high methylators or fast methylators. But that population, if you take methylated vitamins, it can make your anxiety a little bit worse potentially. So just something good to know if you're somebody who's like, you know, the amount of B12, you know, you're, you're taking the B12 and the folate and Wellbell. If you're taking that in addition to say methylated vitamins in your prenatal and you're taking a B complex, and then you notice with all three of those, you're starting to see a little bit more anxiety, mm -hmm. then it may be worth talking to your doctor about getting tested for that methylation and figuring out, okay, is it because I'm a high methylator and now I'm taking like too many methylated vitamins? Um, and ex in that example, I would say probably for your B complex, you would want a non-methylated form. Okay. So there's not necessarily a risk of taking a methylated B vitamin, but you want to pay attention to how your body is responding. Yeah. Typically taking a methylated form is my default is my go-to because most people need it, but a very, very small percent of the population don't. And I, I like to mention that because, you know, it's because people might ask, well, then why are there any non-methylated vitamins in the world? Like, why don't we just make them all methylated? But it's because not everyone needs methylated form, but most of us do. Okay. Good to know. Good clarification. So who is Wellbell good for? Yeah. I mean, they came out with a men's product in the past year. So that's very exciting. Um, really women and men. Um, I really recommend this to almost anyone struggling with hair loss. Um, now one thing to consider is, you know, like I said, that biotin sensitivity, I have had only two clients probably out of like, honestly, a hundred that I recommended well, to who did see a little bit of an acne flare up with the biotin. They were just more sensitive to it, 
But other than that, people tend to do pretty well. So I would say well balance for anyone who is wanting to improve their hair health overall. It can be great for postpartum hair loss, stress-induced hair loss, COVID, post-COVID related hair loss. Um, You really have to take it for at least three months to start to notice a difference and you have to be consistent with it. So, you know, if you buy a bottle and you take it once every couple days for three months, that's really not going to do the job. You have to be consistent. Um, They offer a subscription. So essentially when you order the subscription, they send you three months worth, which I think is worth doing, especially if you're just starting it, because you're going to need three months to make a decision if it's working for you or not. Um, I'd say I probably noticed a difference in my hair around three months in terms of like the strength. Uh, and like less breakage, but it was really around like that six month mark where I was like, okay, it's definitely longer. There's new growth coming in. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm always recommending it. And a lot of times people are coming to me on other hair, skin and nail supplements. And, you know, I asked them, I'm like, have you noticed a big difference with this? Do you feel like it's working for you? And nine times out of 10, they say no. So then we switch them to well, bell and they see a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point too. Nails are very strong. I used to have like nails that would peel all of the time. And that doesn't happen anymore. They grow really fast, really long, and they're much stronger. So I can, as my testimony, I can say it definitely works. Um, so we talked about diet, talked about supplementation. What are some of your favorite hair products that you're using right now? Maybe shampoos, conditioners, any other styling products? Yeah. So I wish that I was like, die hard on a certain shampoo conditioner. I feel like I'm always trying new things. Like I did the pros, which is like more like a custom made shampoo conditioner, depending on your needs. That was okay. I did recently about a month ago, get the Lola V shampoo and conditioner, which Mm -hmm. is Jennifer Aniston's brand. Okay. Um, and I have been liking that, but I don't know. I, I I haven't had anything that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be using this for my life, you know? So I would love if like, well, Bell could come up with something, you know, um, they did go with this, hint. If they did good with the supplement. I'm like shampoo conditioner, maybe, uh, but no, right now I'm using Lola V, which I have been liking. And then I've been really into doing like scalp massages to just increase blood flow to my scalp. You know, when we think about it, like that is where the hair growth comes from. So increasing blood flow, trying to get away, like, you know, any dry skin that might be sitting there. So I've been using this herbal, I don't want to call it tincture, but like an oil from living libations. It's called crowning glory. And so I'll put that, you know, a few drops of that on my scalp and just gently massage it into my scalp and then let it sit there for 20 minutes. I'll do that usually like once or twice a week and then rinse it out. Um, I've been really liking that. I feel like that's been helping a lot. I asked my hair stylist when I went last time, I'm like, is there any truth to this? Am I, is, is there a purpose to me actually putting oil on my scalp? And she was like, she said, definitely. She was like, it definitely helps increase blood flow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't know if it's working or not, but those are the two products I've been using most often right now is the Lola V and the crown and glory from living libations. Okay. I love living libations. So I'm going to have to check that out. I've been, yeah. um, I wanted to make my own uh, blend of like essential oils. So I remember we were talking about like rosemary essential oils mm-hmm. really good for hair. Um, I've been a little bit lazy on it, but I do have this root to tip serum from doTERRA actually that has all of those herbal blends in it. So when I know it's going to be a hair wash day, I put a little extra on my scalp and use my jade comb. And I definitely think that there are some benefits to that. I used to have like an itchy and flaky scalp too. And I don't deal with that at all anymore. It could be 
partially due to diet supplements and just taking better care of my health. But you know, it has to be that whole approach, not just one thing anyway. Yeah. There's, um, a girl on TikTok, and I wish I could remember her name now, but she's got amazing hair. I mean, like, I can't believe it's real hair, but she does the oil on her scalp and she does, I think twice a week. And then she wraps her head in saran wrap and sleeps because she was saying something like if you have oil on your hair, it could potentially be opening up the follicle and causing damage. So you want to saran wrap it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up for the saran wrap quite yet. <laughs> I keep the oil very minimal when I brush it out after, but if that's what has truly helped her hair growth, then I think there's something to it. So if you find her on TikTok, then send her to me because I can't remember her name. <laughs> I feel like there could be some truth to that. Like you think of going to the hair salon, they like wrap your head and yeah. sit you underneath the the hair, the heat lamp. So that's true. Might be the, the home hack DIY version. (laughs) Okay. So any other, um, like rituals or routines around your hair health that you want to share with the audience? Um, I've cut back a lot on heating products. So like I very, very, very rarely blow dry my hair. I've never really been someone to straighten or curl it. I think that has helped a lot. I also try not to put it in a ponytail anymore. Like I'll use scrunchies. I'll use the claw clips. I really think just little things like that over time make a big difference. Like it's not a huge deal if you throw your hair in a ponytail, like once a week, whatever, but to do it every day. And especially, you know, you and I with ballet, obviously we were pulling into a tight bun Mm -hmm. every day for years. And I mean, I remember my temples being receded when I was like 17, 16, 17, because I'd pull my hair back so tight Mm -hmm. and I would, you know, wear a bun to school in the fourth grade. I don't know why. (laughs) So I think it's like being gentle on your hair, letting your hair down, letting it air dry. Um, I feel like that's been really helpful for me. You know, there's like the whole like silk pillowcase thing too, that can kind of help with breakage. Um, there's like lots of little habits you can get into. I think it's fun to like pick one or two and focus on those for a little bit and see if you notice a difference. Awesome. Well, can you tell the audience where they can connect with you, learn more about your services and what you do? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Dr. Danielle period ND. And then I also have my website where you can schedule a call. If you want to work one-on-one, I work with all my clients virtually. I also have a six-week program called the PCOS Pregnancy Protocol that essentially walks you through the same framework I use with my one-on-one clients to help you heal the root cause of your PCOS, have regular periods and get pregnant naturally. And then I also have a podcast that Caitlin has been on probably, I think three times at this point (laughs) um, called heal your hormones with Dr. Danielle, where I share all things about PCOS, fertility, thyroid dysfunction. Um, I have an episode that comes out every Tuesday and Friday. Awesome. And if you're in Atlanta, check out the studio Pilates. Yeah. Thanks for that plug too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Danielle. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spring to Life podcast. To celebrate this collaboration and episode, Dr. Danielle and I have decided to give away two bottles of Wellbell, one each to two lucky winners. And here's how you can win. Make sure you are following both the Spring to Life podcast and Heal Your Hormones podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Leave a rating and review for each show screenshot both and email them to caitlin at springtolife.co. That email will be down in the show notes. And then follow at spring to life method. That's me and at drdanielle.nd on Instagram. And two winners will be announced on September 1st, 
2023. So this giveaway is good through August 31st, 2023. And if you just can't wait and you want to try WellBell now, you can use the code Caitlin10 to save 10% off your WellBell order or Caitlin sub 10 to save 10% off your first subscription order. Again, all of those details will be down in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you feel so compelled, share this with a girlfriend so she can learn more about hormone and hair health. And I'll talk to you next week.